Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome in. That is really loud. Uh, there we are. There we are. Welcome in. This is Chris and Ocero here on uh, Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio and 610sports.com and the radio.com app. I am here today with just my producer, Julio Sanchez. No Jillian in this week. How you doing, uh, sir? I'm I'm doing I'm doing good. Coming in hot today. Yeah, well, I, I did Came come in hot. My my headphones were turned up really really loud, and uh, we got in like a minute early because uh, Dusty jumped out of the show in a minute early. So uh, you get a little bit of extra overtime here uh, this Saturday afternoon. Uh, a very pleasant Saturday afternoon as we are in early December. It is not too cold outside. Very, uh, not unseasonably warm because we usually get it like this, but uh, a lot of times we also get highs in the 20s at this time of year and we're freezing our ass off. And uh, so I'm very happy that we got a nice, sunny, clear day. It's nice enough for me to go biking this morning. I, I, I don't partake in biking, but, uh, you know. Don't think you partake own. in physical activities. I partake in some. I've been going back part. to the gym. I've been uh, hitting the weights, been uh, doing the bench press and the leg curls. And uh, other exercises you do at the gym, I've been doing those. So uh, trying to, I got a, I got a wedding. My parents are, uh, they are uh, renewing their vows. So congratulations, yeah, thirty years in February. That's so big. I got to get into shape, and I got to look cut, and that'll be the start of my journey because then I got to get that beach body for the summer. Well, that's false. I got to get that you beach are in a body for the summer, now, sir. You're, I'm not letting myself. The exact opposite I'm not letting of what myself when you get in a relationship. No, because my girlfriend, she's been cutting weight too. False. She's been getting into great shape too. So she's like motivating me to work out now. So that's that's what we're gonna I see how to long do. this lasts. She, I mean, she's been doing it all year, so like she's gonna get on me about it if I don't. She's been very positive with it, so I gotta I gotta do it too, for for two reasons on that. So, um, first, just want to say uh, as a six ten. As a 610 uh, host here, uh, and I know Julio feels the same too, we are very excited about the new partnership that we have yes. at Intercom here with the Kansas City Chiefs. We will be the official broadcast partners of the Chiefs, which means you will hear exclusive audio here on 610 Sports Radio that you won't get anywhere else. Plus, on top of that, the games will be broadcast starting next season on 106.5 The Wolf, uh, one of our sister stations here at Intercom. And so we at Intercom are very proud to welcome in the Kansas City Chiefs into this family. And we look forward to being able to listen to those games on our sister station starting next season. 
Um, with that, this is a very, very important week for Kansas City Chiefs football. Uh, last week was uh, a nice little test for them. Coming off of the bye week, you played the Oakland Raiders, your most hated rival at home, in front of your crowd. Fans are really jumping for it. Uh, I saw a lot of trashy Raiders fans at Arrowhead last week because I was at the game doing uh, media. And uh, it was funny, like, when me and me and Bradley Boyk were driving through the parking lot looking for a parking space, and one of the Raiders fans was standing on the side of the, uh, standing in the parking lot, um, making an L sign at Chiefs fans as they rode by, but he did it backwards. And so I was like, yeah, idiotic Raiders fan, just like I expected. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So that was a great game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think it was probably their most complete performance that we've seen from the team this year. Uh, maybe the Denver game, but you didn't have Mahomes on the field for that game for most of it because of the kneecap injury. So uh, this was probably your most complete performance. Your defense, like your run defense, obviously you had some issues with it, but it, it didn't matter. Like, Jacobs got all those yards. I think he had, like, almost 100 or over 100 yards in the first half. And he looked really good. And that was about it for the for the, uh, for the the Raiders' offense. Passing defense was amazing. They did a good job of getting after Derek Carr. Not only just the pass rush, but the, the secondary was amazing. And they kept these guys uh, from, from getting any sort of space to get open so that Derek Carr can try to get the ball to them. He was running around that backfield all afternoon long. Uh, I was really happy with what I saw from the defense, the offense. Um, certainly some question marks about them, especially with the running game. Uh, I think there might be a solution. We'll talk about that later on in the show. But it was a very important game coming off a of bye for them to be able to show that they are going to be in great position to make a run. Because... Let's not forget, and I know that this team has been roller coaster up and down all year long. They still got a chance to get one of the top two seeds in the AFC. They're going to need some help, but they still have a chance to possibly get in position for one of those top two seeds in the AFC. Obviously, we know that the Chiefs need to win out. They're currently 8-4. and four. They pretty much got the division wrapped up now because – uh, there are two remaining divisional games uh, against the Broncos next week, and then two, and then um, three weeks from now they'll have the uh, San, Di- San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. Might as well be the shame on you. Might as well shame be San Diego because they've been playing. They play sixteen road games every year. Um, they will come into Arrowhead Week Seventeen, and uh, the Chiefs have dominated the AFC West for the last few years, and they are in prime position to. If they can beat the Patriots, I think that we look at this team and we we, we say, yeah, they win out the rest of the way because the Patriots are clearly the best team out of the final four opponents that they have. That'll put them at 12-4. and four. So they win out. Patriots will then have three losses on the season. That means that the Patriots would need to lose one more game. And their remaining opponents, the Bengals next week, then they have the Bills at home, and then they have the uh, they have the Dolphins at that's, home. That's tough to find a loss there. The Bills, Bills are our only shot. Probably the Bills. But it's and in Foxborough. It's in Foxborough, but, I mean, if the Chiefs beat them, 
in Foxborough this week. Uh, I think that mystique wears off a little bit. It wears off a little bit. And it's a divisional opponent. You know, when it's a divisional opponent, um, all bets are off as far as, like, where you play at. We saw the Chiefs beat the Chargers at Arrowhead last – I mean, the Chargers beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead last year. And then the Chiefs beat them in L.A. earlier in the season last year. Um, I mean, hell, earlier this year we saw the Browns beat the Ravens. And I believe that game was in Baltimore. If I'm not mistaken, so well, and it was a close. Uh, they it was a close game earlier this year. What sixteen ten? I think they lost to the Packers. Yeah, sixteen so, I mean, ten in Buffalo. So no, and and they have a shot, and they've got a good defense. So if this, if they could hold the Patriots' offense to a, a marginal, reasonable number. It's very believable that the Bills could win in Foxborough in a couple weeks. So that happens. All of a sudden, now the Chiefs went out. Patriots lose one more. You've got the tiebreaker over the over the Patriots because you beat them head-to-head. And you would also need the Texans to lose one more as well because right now the Chiefs are the four seed. Um, you need the Texans to lose one more. Texans have to go to, uh, to Nashville to play the Titans, a team that the Chiefs also lost to on the road. And they also have to go to Tampa and say what you will about the Bucs, but the Bucs are a team that can beat good teams if Jameis Winston doesn't throw three pick sixes. So... They could lose a game or two. They've got some opportunities. The Texans lose one more. The Patriots lose one more after the Chiefs beat them. All of a sudden, now you're looking at the two seed. And if we really want to get a little tricky here, if the Ravens lose two more, which is very unlikely, but if the Ravens lose two more, control now, I'm, I'm just saying it's a possibility. Reel it back in. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I sure as hell wouldn't put my money on it. But. If the Ravens were to lose two more games, then the Chiefs could get the one seed because the Chiefs beat them head to head when they were in. Uh, actually, I think it's, um, I think it's three. As you know, well, it's yeah, it, it is indeed two games that they would need to they would need to lose because uh, that would put them at twelve and four, and the Chiefs would have the head to head because they beat them at Arrowhead in week three of this season. So, uh, this is a very important game for the Chiefs. Not only from the standpoint of it's the Patriots, but also because they still have a lot at stake as far as positioning at uh, in the uh, in the AFC playoff picture. And I know a lot of fans want the Chiefs to have that uh, that quote unquote home field advantage at Arrowhead. So it is very vital now that they put themselves in a great position to get a big time win in Foxborough this weekend because I, I don't think anybody here has I – mean, I mean, if they beat the Patriots at this point, two games at home, one game on the road against the Mitchell Trubisky-led Bears, and that Bears team really isn't that great. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like Mitchell has uh, has played fairly well the last few games. I mean, he played all right. He looks like an all-star. Week. He looks it, like no, an all-star. Yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. No, he's, he's still Mitchell. Those Bears uniforms that they played in are ugly as hell. They, those those helmets that they wore that were uh, kind of ripoffs of the Wolverines helmets, ugly as hell. To uh, to Nick Price's point, he is uh, he is playing better than than Tom Brady. I agree with so that. So say the numbers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He definitely so say is. the numbers. Tom Brady has been not not good this year at all. And we will talk about. Tom Brady's future in the second hour of the show, so make sure that you stick around for that. But I I do think that this this Patriots team is certainly one that does not look like they have in the past few years. 
And I think that this is a great launching pad for the Kansas City Chiefs coming out of the bye week, beating the Raiders in what may possibly be your best game of the season. If they come into to Foxborough and they get that win, like that could be like we, we always talk about in football, like we see a lot of times where a team maybe isn't consistent throughout the entirety of the season, but they get hot at the right time. And all of a sudden they start catching fire. Quarterback starts up in his play. Defense starts up in their play when there were question marks early on. And you get on a nice little run, you get into the playoffs, and then magic happens. Chiefs are in prime position to do that right now. I mean, you you got a nice win going into the bye week. Got a nice, you got the bye week late in the year, which is always really advantageous because at this point in the season, players are are playing hurt. Many of them are. And so it is nice to get a week off so your body can recover. And then you go on that nice little stretch run, five games left in the season. You get on a nice run going into the playoffs. If they could get a bye, then all of a sudden you're looking at them getting extra rest going into the divisional round of the playoffs. You win one game, you're back in the championship game. And from there, I mean, if they win out, they get that two seed. And they they get to the they get a, a a home game in the divisional round. I don't know if I would take any other team in the AFC than the Chiefs at that point, even if they had to go to Baltimore in the championship game. I don't know if I take anybody else at that point because this team will be hot. So are you are you jumping on the bandwagon that the Patriots are done for? That's a good question, and I will talk about that coming up next. Welcome back to Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the radio.com app. I am your host, Chris Ocero. No Jillian here this afternoon, but we do got Julio Sanchez on the other side of the glass, and he's a a, a decent replacement for uh, another voice on this show. Big shoes to fill. Big, big shoes to fill. Uh, me and Jillian, we did four hours on the midday show uh, on Black Friday last week without you. It was uh, yeah. Some of us actually had a a job to do, yeah, a real job, did. not just talking sports. You know, <laughs> uh, it's it's crazy. It it surprises me that like any office would be open on Black Friday. That's crazy. My business never sleeps, man. Make sure that you uh, you follow me on Twitter at Cero to sixty. That is at. C E R O T O six zero. I always got to spell that out because a lot of people are confused about how to spell it. You like to make it things complicated, don't you? I mean, I I, I did that before kind I got into radio. Guy. I did it before I got into radio because I didn't I didn't expect that I was going to have to give it out on the radio. <laughs> so and then follow Julio Sanchez as well at the Julio Sanch because uh, there are all these other Julio Sanchez out there. And he wants you to know that he's the official one, the real one. The one. So uh, I think it's finally time that Patrick Mahomes beats the Patriots and beats Tom Brady. Uh, We've heard all week long that this could be the final time that, uh, that Mahomes gets an opportunity to beat Tom Brady. We'll talk about that more later on in the show. But... This is now the opportunity. This will be his third time facing the Patriots as the starting quarterback. And uh, 
this year we have seen the two losses that the Patriots had be against his contemporaries at the quarterback spot in his generation of of youth here. That being uh, Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, and Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the Houston Texans. They've already beat him this year, and they both played well in those games. And so now it is high time for Patrick Mahomes to join the club with his fellow new young generation of starting quarterbacks here. Uh, here's Kurt Warner talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes getting back to the basics. Patrick Mahomes has to get back to the basics, the fundamentals, whether that be technique in the pocket. And I know it's so hard for these guys like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes to, to get back to that because they're so good, you know, off balance. And they're so good when they, they don't have great technique because they're so talented with their arms and throwing with their core. But I think that affects a lot of the throws that he's making. And then I think the other part is sometimes you fall in love with those special plays, those big plays. He's made so many of them over the last couple of years that you kind of feel like you can make every throw. And I believe that's getting him in trouble a little bit. Instead of allowing the defense to just dictate where to go with the football, sometimes he's saying, well, I can make every throw. I, I can do everything, so I'm going to push the ball down the field or throw into coverage because it usually works out for me, and it's gotten him in trouble a little bit as of late. So I think it's just go back, get back to the basics. We know how special he can be when he needs to be special, but he doesn't have to be special all the time. Just play the game the way it's supposed to be played, and I think they'll, just, they'll be just fine in Kansas City. And I do agree to an extent. Uh, Patrick has certainly taken some very risky throws uh, risky attempts this year and he's had a lot of would-be interceptions that have just been dropped or maybe they've been called back because of a penalty like we saw against the Raiders where they uh, referees ancillarily decided that they were going to call a um, a defensive pass interference on a an interception that would be interception by the Raiders when uh, Patrick heaved the ball into the corner of the end zone it got picked off and they finally decided that they were going to call a DPI, even though we've seen them uh, miss, you know, choose not to overturn very obvious DPI calls. So like, he has been he's been a little risky with some of his throws. Titans game, you know, through you know, through a pick, uh, through a would be pick early on, and then we saw him uh, in early in that Raiders game also through a, I mean, a clear. Would have been interceptions if not for the uh, the defender, the Raiders player, dropping what looked like to be one of the easiest picks he'll ever have in his career. And so I do agree. Patrick definitely has to uh, stop trying to make every single crazy impossible throw. I think he might be trusting himself a little too much. And he's seen some of the magic that he worked last year. And maybe he was like, hmm, okay, maybe I can uh, go out here and make some of these crazy plays. This Patriots team is not one of those teams you want to make crazy mistakes against because they're really well coached, obviously. Their head coach has six Super Bowls to his name. And we have seen them win games where maybe they weren't as good as their opponent, but they just didn't make as many mistakes as their opponent opponent makes. Talent-wise, I actually think the Chiefs might be more talented than this Patriots team is, even though you can look at the, the rankings and see that uh, – Ranking-wise, this Patriots team looks pretty good. Here's Christian Fourier from WEEI. He joined the guys on Fesco in the morning talking about their everyman problems. Usually, what I hear all the time 
nationally is like nobody wants to write them off. I wouldn't either. They have too long of a history of proving people wrong. But it's, ah, oh, you know, it's Brady. Ah, oh, it's Bill. Ah, oh, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. So, yeah, that's what you just – because they do figure it out. But the personnel is such a problem offensively. It's just, you know, they, then Ted Karras, their backup center got hurt. And Ferentz came in and did a good job. You know, Isaiah Wynn's still, like, young and figuring it out. And they're dealing with the left. Uh, it's just – it's so complicated. Like, they just – don't have an edge setter at tight end. Neither, none of those guys can block. Uh, they're, they're, they have to result to, uh, to just running boring, basic plays because even the receivers can't do basic stuff. So no wonder Brady's frustrated and pulling his hair up. I asked you to do a slant. It's like rule book, playbook 101. They put the slant in first, and he can't run a damn slant. Yeah. I mean, it drives me nuts. And that's going to be an issue if you're going to play this Chiefs team. Because this Chiefs team on defense has shown that they got some life to them. We'll dig into that more later on in the hour. But they certainly look like a team that is in the right position to make a run. And this Patriots team does not look like they have the characteristics to beat a team in the position the Chiefs are. We know that the biggest weakness of the Chiefs is their run defense. Here's Christian Fourier talking about the uh, issues the Patriots have had defending the run. I mean, running the football. They're not a great running team. Now, if they end up running all over you guys, then you guys must really suck at stopping the run because they're not good at it. They're not. <laughs> the Chiefs aren't good would, at and stopping I, and it either. If I was Kansas City, I would, I would run it as much as I could on the Patriots. Yeah. Like, I would because that's the one area where – I think they're most vulnerable. Now, they're not terrible, but every even the teams before Lamar Jackson, even Cleveland, even Buffalo with Frank Gore, uh, even Le- Le'Veon Bell with the Jets, all those guys had early success, but they got behind so fast that they had to kind of scrap that part of their playbook and just start you know, being more aggressive throwing the football. But second-level tackling isn't great. I think you can, get, especially if they go light with two defensive tackles and put multiple linebackers or defensive backs out there, you can break tackles. You can gain positive yards on there. On them. I mean, even Dallas, so stupid. Dallas was so dumb. They had it third and one, and with Ezekiel Elliott, and they decided to throw. Yeah, I know. Right? It was just boggling. My, I was like, how dumb are you? But whatever. That's your life. You deal with it how you want to. But I, that's what I would do. Third and one, I, I mean, you run it. So when you hear – People who are, like, really in the know about this Patriots team saying things like that, it leads me to believe, and I've I've been watching this Patriots team all year long because obviously this is the team that if you are the Chiefs and you want to take that crown in the AFC, this is the team you got to go through. You got to beat the Patriots. And watching throughout this year, I very much believe that this is probably the worst Patriots team I've seen since 2002. 2002, they did not make the playoffs after they had won that Super Bowl in 01, beating the uh, the St. Louis Rams in an upset of uh, pretty big proportions at the time because that was still that was the back end of the greatest show of turf, uh, greatest show on turf days, and I you know the next year they did not have the a lot of the playmakers that they had had before a lot of the a lot of their guys had kind of fallen off in production and I believe they finished seven and nine maybe it was nine and seven but they didn't make the playoffs. And that is one of two times that they have not made the playoffs since Tom Brady took over as the starter of that 
Patriots team. And, I mean, I just look at the squad right now, and I see the fact that they can't run the football. Their only real offensive weapon that you can count on is Julian Edelman because they don't have a, a Gronkowski. Um, their offensive line is not very good at blocking. Heard Dusty with this stat earlier today. 21 sacks allowed this year, and we were 12 games into the season. 21 sacks all of last year allowed by that Patriots offensive line. So you can get to Tom Brady. And on top of that, Tom Brady has been worse against when he's been uh, facing blitzes. Uh, I remember I turned on that Texans game on Sunday as uh, as me and Bradley were leaving the uh, leaving Arrowhead Stadium and heading back here. And I remember watching it and, uh, was it, Roby? He had an interception that got called back because of defensive holding. And then the very next play, he goes in on a blitz and Tom Brady stands there, deer in the headlights, he goes down for a sack. I mean, he's he's not as good as at maneuvering around the pocket. This looks like the worst Patriots team we've seen in 17 years. And you, if you are a team with Patrick Mahomes, with this kind of momentum now, with these kind of with, – with the defense being much more confident than they were a few weeks ago – this is a game you got to win if you're the Chiefs. If if there's at any point you're going to beat Tom Brady, it's it's going to be this game. Yes, right. This is, and let's reel it back a little bit as far as so I know you you're you're kind of on the the bandwagon of Tom Brady. You know this is this is his downfall. This is you know you can slowly see you know, his age is catching up to him. Yeah, you can you kind of see. It. I don't know if I'm necessarily there right now. Right, just for some of the points that that you just made. Right. Like you alluded to earlier, who who does he have to throw to, right? He's got receivers that can't run a simple slant. Can't run slants. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, other than Julian Edelman, you have a, a hobbled Mohamed Sanu, who they gave up a second-round pick for. Yeah, they did give up a two I, for I, him. Wow. I, don't, I, I don't understand, right? But no. he's 30 years old. He, they brought him in to stretch the field. He's a 30-year-old wide receiver. Other than that, who does he have to throw to, right? So – offensive line, like you just alluded to, that, that can't necessarily block, which it does tie again to the receivers that he's throwing to. He, he just doesn't have a lot to work with. So why I agree, while I agree that his skills maybe aren't where they were, this just kind of blows it up a little bit more than what it is because of what he has to work with. And regardless of whether or not it's him or it's the talent around him, it ain't working right now in New England. Yeah. If you don't have receivers that can run slant routes, that's a problem. But we say, but we say this all the time about the Patriots. I mean, look at look at last year, right? I think it was Week 13 when they lost to uh, to the Dolphins. I mean, going into the playoffs, the Patriots weren't weren't the hot team. No one was really necessarily picking them to win the Super Bowl per se. So again, until the until I see it, I I, I it's hard for me to not think that it's. It, it's going to continue to happen the way it has historically. Yeah, and I've, I, I've, and I've heard that argument all the time. Therese made that par- argument earlier. Tried to bury week. him too many times, and it's like, at what point are we just going to be stop being afraid of being wrong and just call it like we see it? Yeah, but I feel like people people say it because they, uh, there. I think the premise is look, eventually it's going to happen, and I yeah. agree it's going to happen. But they yeah. they keep disproving that. <laughs> That mindset. There are many times where it's been wishful thinking because, like, I remember in 2014 when the the Chiefs beat the piss out of the Patriots in Foxborough. Everybody was talking about it, about that team at that point, 
and they were like, oh, this team's finally done it. They, they, it's finally over for the Patriots. Somebody now will, will take the crown of the AFC. And that team proceeded to go out there and play great the rest of the season and get themselves in prime position to, uh, to compete for a championship. And, and I would agree with you in that situation. Like, yeah, it was a little bit premature. Tom Brady also wasn't in his early 40s at that time, too. Tom Brady was still very much in the prime of his career. The ageless wonder. You still had Rob Gronkowski on that team. And at that point, you were much, much younger than you are now. And that team didn't have problems with receivers running slant routes. That team didn't have an issue where uh, you don't know if they can run the football or not. Where they're 21st in the league at running the football and they can't throw the football very effectively. Like... That's what you're looking at here with this Patriots team. Well, right now, they look deficient at a lot of things. You just heard from Christian Fourier. They can't run the football, and they can't really stop the run. The thing that aids them with stopping the run is when they get a lead. So if this Chiefs team goes in and plays the way that they have the last few weeks, because I think they've been priming themselves for, for this kind of game, because we have seen them the last few weeks slow the offense down, run a lot of shorter routes, and they run the football a little bit more. And again, and they play in a little bit more of a control offense, kind of like what you saw with Alex Smith. That's something that I think is not something we expected this year because we saw them run that vertical offense last year, and they were just trying to – they were putting up college numbers. This year, though, I think they're trying to help their defense out by controlling the football more and taking more time of possession of the clock. And it hasn't always worked. Like last week, until they put together that big – uh, drive at the end where Darwin Thompson got his first career touchdown. They were down in time of possession in the time of possession battle by eight minutes, but they've been slowly but surely trying to develop this offense where they can be explosive when they want, but they can also control the ball and take their time moving the ball down the field to burn up clock. And I think if they do that against Tom Brady, they're going to get him out of rhythm that I don't I don't I'm not 100% certain that this team's going to be able to run the football on the Chiefs defense regardless of what we've seen from the the Chiefs defense against running backs this year because usually it's it's been against good running backs that they've gotten torched like a Jacobs uh like um uh like uh what's his name um we saw I think we said Eckler he was he was getting a lot of yards on them and uh you know we they did a good job against Lindsey. They did a really good job against Dalvin Clark, but Derrick Henry came out there and he ripped him to shreds. So this defense, when they go up against a bad running attack, I think I might be a little confident that they can make st- they can make stops in that situation. So um, I think that this team is probably the worst we've seen in 17 years. And I think the Chiefs are in really good position against this uh, against this Patriots team. Coming up tomorrow afternoon. Coming up, I'm going to tell you which chief I think has earned a chance to crack the starting lineup. That's next. Keeping things rolling along here on Overtime with Jillian and Chris. I am Chris Ocero. Julio Sanchez keeping things going on the other side of the glass. For all people who are listening who are professional wrestling fans, make sure you tune in to my podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. It is called the Heat Magnet Podcast, and it is the best podcast for professional wrestling you are going to hear anywhere. For so, 12 and under. No, it's it's for adults. 
because professional wrestling's audience is old. The uh, the still I, don't understand that. It is. Still it's, don't. I I tell you this. When I found out the demographics, the average age of uh, a wrestling viewer, I was surprised too. The average wrestling fan is uh, the same age as the average baseball fan, as far as age goes, and they're mid fifty. So, if you are a wrestling fan, you listen to six ten sports radio. Uh, make sure that you go on the radio.com app and you subscribe and listen and download the Heat Magnet podcast every Thursday night. Put it out every Thursday night, sometime around 637. And uh, make sure that you, if if you are on any other, any platform where you can review, let me know how it is. And uh, I would appreciate that very much. So uh, getting into, getting back to the Chiefs. There is one player I think the Chiefs have that I think has earned a shot at going out and proving that he deserves to get a lot of opportunities on the field. And that, to me, is one Darwin Thompson. He has actually spent much of the season inactive. Um, When he does get on the field or when he does suit up, he will... Get maybe a carry or two, if that. Maybe a, a he'll catch a screen pass in the flats. But he doesn't. He hasn't gotten a lot of touches this year. But he came into the game this past Sunday against the Oakland Raiders when uh, when Daryl Williams went down with his hamstring injury, which has now put him on IR. So he's done for the rest of the year. And Darwin went out there and he balled out a little bit. He went out. They they had a nice. Great ball control type drive, the drive that pushed their time of possession up because they held it for over 10 minutes. And they really, I I was very, very impressed by what I saw from Darwin Thompson because he was making plays that you see consistent starters in the NFL at the running back position make, making nice cuts whenever lanes were cut off. He was patient. And he doesn't really have a great offensive line as far as run blocking goes. And we've seen it because Damian has had trouble getting off. Um, we've seen issues with LaShawn McCoy. He's had troubles finding open space to run in. And even though his yard per carry average is like, it's, I think it's like last time I checked, it was like in the fives. But, I mean, he's still not someone that's getting a ton of carries because he gets stopped for a lot of one and zero yard gains at the line of scrimmage. Darwin was doing a very good job of being slippery and being sneaky and finding small crevices in that line to get some space and get some yards. Here's Therese Paler talking about Darwin, uh, how Darwin will get an opportunity as a uh, as a as a starting running back for this Chiefs team. Not everyone's Kareem Hunt, okay? He's from Utah State. Got to learn the playbook. Got to get the blocking down. Andy Reid's playbook is large, and guess what? Your quarterback. Um, he's been beat up this year, so what's one thing we probably don't want to do? You probably don't want to put him back out there uh, when a running back that might not have the blocking down foot, right, or the playbook down foot, right? When Darwin Thompson fully commands everything that the Chiefs offense requires of the running back, he, he will play. He is small, but he is a jacked-up, quick, elusive runner who can do a lot of the things that Andy Reid asks for of his running backs. It's not instant oatmeal a lot of times in this league, especially with rookies. It was always just going to be a matter of time before he gets a, a bigger shot. And Darwin is fighting from a position of disadvantage as far as his size goes. 
I was in that Chiefs locker room after that Raiders game on Sunday, and I saw him, and he's not a big cat. He is in great shape. He is cut. He is in great shape. He is not that big. He's 5'7"-ish and maybe 190. I mean, he's not a big dude. But I think that size might play to his advantage because it it certainly will make it tough for him to tackle from these linebackers and defensive linemen because he's very agile. We know that he's got a, a nice little burst to him. And on top of that, he's got a very high motor here. He's very motivated, and he stayed prepared all throughout the season, even though he wasn't getting opportunities. Here's Darwin talking after the game about his preparation, leading to that opportunity he got in the second half against the Raiders. I approach the game the same way every game. I mean, like, I'm going to be the starter going in the game. It's, it don't change for me. Darwin, Eric Bieniemy said this past week that you'd be getting some opportunity today. What was the preparation process like in, in knowing that you would be getting some extended minutes? The same, it don't change. I, play, I practice like I'm first string every practice. I play like I'm first string. I mean, it don't change for me. And so he definitely showed that this past week when he went in there, got a lot of carries after Daryl Williams went out with injury, and he was able to carry the load, and he was able to fight his way into the end zone at the very end of that drive to score his first career touchdown. Here's him talking and showing off how much of a motor he has as a running back in the NFL. From preseason and then, it was different. I was tired. I'm like, man, just getting the end zone, man. But it it was good. It felt good. Um, I felt a lot more comfortable out there. It was just go play your game. Who was so the that, first player to congratulate you after you ran the My eyes was closed looking at the ground like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> but it was all the old linemen, Austin, uh, and then Pat carried me off the field. And my stomach was hurt when I was on his pads. I'm like, Pat, put me down. I can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, they all showed love. And you saw it at the end because, uh, you know, you could – when you get all those carries on, on a drive like that and you're trying to burst through the line and fight for yards because he was he was taking some hits and he was fighting for extra yards, having to make cuts, I mean, that is taxing on your body. And so and, and for him, since he hasn't played a ton of snaps, it's hard for him to get acclimated right now to doing as much, uh, as much work as he's doing with pads on and whatnot. So it was really nice to see him get the opportunity that he did. And I think at this point, when you look at this team, you look at the fact that Damian, Wills, Damian Williams is not going to play. Darrell Williams done for the year. So now you're counting on LaShawn McCoy, you're counting on Darwin, and you're counting on Spencer Ware, who you just brought in uh, off of free agency. And I don't know if Spencer's going to be in 100% game shape. Now, Spencer, I think, is actually going to be key for them in any sort of situation where you need to keep an extra blocker back in your running back situation. That's probably where he's going to be best at, and he's certainly going to be a good uh, good number two, number three option whenever you've got some guys getting tired out there. But I think there's a reason why LaShawn McCoy has not been able to keep that starting job for the Kansas City Chiefs because age, because he's had issues with fumbles, and because of the fact that he's just not the same agility-wise as he used to be. But you got a young guy in Darwin Thompson. You drafted him in the sixth round of this year's draft, and at this point I think you need to see what you got because if you can strike with – Darwin Thompson, if you hit on him, if you find something in him, now all of a sudden that's one need in the draft that you have completely filled, 
before you even have to get to the draft, and you can focus more on the defense, and you can focus more on your offensive line, and all of a sudden it just it, it eliminates a, a very, very important part of how you need to address your offseason. And Darwin isn't someone that the, the team, the coaching staff, has raved about throughout the offseason. So I do think that they absolutely need to figure out what they have in him, and I think this is a great opportunity to do it. He seems like he's got a high motor. He seems like he really cares, and he's going to put it in. And he seems like the kind of guy that is going to work to make sure that he does not mess up this opportunity. So I am all for them giving him an opportunity to go out there and show whether or not he can be the future of the uh, the running back position for this Kansas City Chiefs team. Coming up next, I tell you why maybe we should give the defense a little bit more credit than we are. Wrapping up the first hour of Overtime with Jillian, Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the radio.com app. If you missed any other part of this initial hour of the show, you can listen to it on demand on 610sports.com, radio.com app. Just look for the Overtime page, and uh, Julio will post that up as soon as he possibly can. Um, want to get into the Chiefs defense here before we get into Julio's web hits at the top of the next hour. Um, I think this defense is a lot better than we've been giving it credit for. I've heard a lot of people in the national media dog this defense all year long. Chiefs defense costing them this. Chiefs defense costing them that. And last year, it was 100% warranted. That Chiefs defense was terrible last year. They were awful last year. But this year, the defense has been better, and I think we are starting to see maybe a little bit of credit being given to the team. Here's Ryan Clark from ESPN talking about the kind of impact that this Chiefs defense could have on them. We knew all year if this team was going to compete for an AFC championship that this defense had to make plays. They had to get better. Now, you go up against a good rushing attack today that got their yards with Josh Jacobs, but you were able to turn the ball over, get your team up on the scoreboard, and then play defense from back to front. And that's the way that this team is going to work. Steve Spagnola has implemented some things that would allow them to be creative defensively, which we didn't see last year. And if they can continue to pick things up and Patrick Mahomes gets things going, then we can see some excitement and some explosive things from this dynamic offense and dynamic team. And it was 100% true. First half, Josh Jacobs ran for almost 100 or maybe right at 100. Second half, he was not effective at all. Chiefs defense really hampered down, and they kept him very, I mean, he was very ineffective in that second half, and they forced Derek Carr to have to go out there and throw the football. Derek Carr, not very good at doing that, so... They were able to pretty much control them in that second half. And the the pretty much the uh, the Raiders did not get a touchdown until the Chiefs started putting their backups in, which is crazy because we went into this season thinking that this Chiefs defense was probably going to struggle all year long on defense like they had last year. But if you look at them now, it seems like they've finally got an identity that, they, that they've been missing for the last couple years or so. And... We are now starting to see them 
show the prime position where they can be effective in. Here is former Chief Mike DeVito talking about where what he thinks the identity of this Kansas City Chiefs defense is. Kansas City's defense right now is built for them to be 10 to 14 points ahead um, because they're so explosive and they're so fast. Uh, and you have these guys that, are, that make incredibly, that are clearly good at running sideline to sideline, making big plays in the backfield. Um, and so they're a team that can stop the run, right? And, and they did a great job of that yesterday. You saw them, you know, Oakland's coming in there. They want to run the football. Jones, right at the beginning of the game, does a great job on a double team, makes a play in the backfield. So they look really stout against the run. Uh, but don't, but you don't want them to have to slow down to worry about playing the run. And if we were thinking of historical teams in the NFL that we have seen have that kind of a defense. Defense that ain't great against stopping the run, many times got shredded by opposing running backs, but then when they needed to make a play, they would make it. I would say that that sounds a lot like the defense that the Colts had back in the mid-2000s. Back when they, you know, offensively you had Peyton Manning, you had uh, Marvin Harrison, you had Reggie Wayne, and then you also had Edron James back there. Um, at, at the running back spot. And offensively, you saw them control the football. You saw them go out there and make big plays. They scored a lot of points. And then defensively, with the big lead, they were pretty much able to stomp out the running game because they made key plays in the running game. And then they would force the opposing team to have to throw the football, and they did not give up big running plays. I mean, big passing plays. That sounds a lot like what this Chiefs de- defense can be if they continue in the direction that they've been. Because this year, they're still not great at stopping the run, but they have shown that they are capable of, do, of doing it at times. But we have seen that against the pass, they've been pretty damn great this year. And we have seen the pass rush do a good job of getting after opposing quarterbacks. And we saw this, especially against the Oakland Raiders, we saw their pass coverage push itself up to a level that I don't think anybody here anticipated. I've been seeing all season long people saying that the Chiefs need a cornerback in uh, in the um, in next year's draft. And certainly that could be something that could really push their secondary up to elite status. But right now, their secondary looks pretty damn good as is. Juan Thornhill, he really had a game. Spectacular. He had an awesome game. Like, Juan Thornhill was amazing. Awesome game, awesome season. Yes, yeah, and 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 much like everyone thought he would, like, everyone was raving about the Thornhill pick when uh, Veach made that pick in, in back in April. Yeah, but I don't think they thought he was going to be this effective not, and not, have this much nah, of Nah, not at this level. I mean, right. you remember that. Not this quickly. <laughs> that, that fourth down in the first half, I think it was, when um, yes. when they ran that when they ran that jet sweep and Juan Thornhill comes up out of the defensive backfield, and he stu- he stuffs that uh, receiver, blows it up on fourth and one, yeah. and he blows it up with a great. And that was the thing about it: this is tackling all year. the The biggest weakness of his game was his tackling. He'd been missing a lot of tackles. He was missing tackles on Josh Jacobs early in that game in the first half, and then he comes out in that. I think it was in the second quarter, and he made an excellent play on fourth down and really did a great job of kind of turning the momentum a little bit because the Raiders had been able to drive a little bit and they had been threatening a little bit, but they hadn't been able to make a play. And so that was a huge play by by uh, Thornhill to go out there and get that stop on fourth down. So 
I think you have to give this defense a ton of credit. They're starting to get an identity. Matthew is really starting to assert himself and show why he is. He's got that nickname, the Honey Badger, and why he was so highly regarded this past offseason and why this team was so confident in moving past Eric Berry because I think for a lot of Chiefs fans, say what you will about like the sour feelings that we had about how he pretty much sat out almost the entire year because of that injury instead of electing to just get surgery on it. Um, he's made us forget about Eric Berry, and that's saying something because Eric Berry had an excellent history here aside from last season. So I think this defense is starting to get an identity. I think that they can be complementary to this offense. I don't think – I still don't expect them to be good enough for this team to rely on them to go out there and get stops against the top quarterbacks in the league. But I think now we can look at this defense and we can start to expect them to be complementary to what the offense is doing. And if the Chiefs offense can go out there and do their job and put points on the board and get a nice sizable lead, a double-digit lead, I think at that point we can expect the defense to go out there and at least make it so that an opposing offense has to work extra, extra hard to get points, and to be able to get back into this game. Coming up next, we got Julio's Web Hits. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.